how football stopped racism in Virginia. That's what I heard. Nothing since. Hi, I'm Ricardo Deacon. Hi, I'm Orla McGuinness. And welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen. We watch it separately and then we meet to discuss it. Well, this week's film is a special pick, so we've both mm. actually have seen it before. Several times to this being together. Orla's birthday. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio and this week's pick is The Guardian from 2006. miles off the Alaskan coast, six members of a Coast Guard search and rescue team embarked on a mission at the height of a Category 3 storm. Only one would survive. There's an instructor opening at A school. No. I'm not interested. You can't always be the one in the water, Ben. I need you to train the next generation. That guy who holds all them records? I thought you ought to let him know I'm about to knock his name off that board. Maybe you should let him know yourself. He's standing in the back of the room. Champion swimmer Jake learns the true meaning of heroism and sacrifice when he meets Ben Randall. After enduring a horrific storm and losing his crew, Ben is sent to train more swimmers at an academy. I love how they don't even mention the Coast Guard. Out of the 39,000 men and women who make up the United States Coast Guard, there are only 280 rescue swimmers. This is because we are the Coast Guard's elite. We are the best of the best. When storms shut down entire ports, we go out. When hurricanes ground the United States Navy, we go out. And when the Holy Lord himself reaches down from heaven and destroys his good work with winds that rip houses off the ground, we go out. So, Orla, why did you pick this movie? <laughs> God, uh, <laughs> because you had recently watched all my other choices. Uh, no, this is a this is a kind of a like classic movie for us. I have no idea why. Um, I don't really know where our collective Kevin Costner obsession came from. Um, uh, all I know is that at some point in our friendship, we all became obsessed with him. Um, and part of that has definitely got to do with a little movie called McFarland USA. Uh, is this film as good as McFarland USA? No, but <laughs> cause I do think McFarland USA is actually genuinely quite a good movie. This isn't. Um, but at the same time, I enjoyed watching this so much the other day when I put it on and I was afraid that maybe some of the like Kevin Costner warmth might have dissipated a little bit, but, uh, I feel like this episode will be us mo- like 50-50 trashing and 50-50 gushing on the majesty that is Kevin Costner. <laughs> he's like, I love him. He's, he's, I love him as like a sort of a gruff hottie uh, in a like message in a bottle <laughs> wearing really pulling off For the off love of jumper. the game. <laughs> uh, also, I like, saw, you know, the, the inventor of the baseball film. Um <laughs> this is somehow only our second Kevin Costner film, uh, which seems incorrect. Well, both the In... uh, birthday picks. Yes, uh, shockingly enough, that's the only way Kevin was able to get his way into this podcast. 
Well, probably it's because we I have probably seen every kind of Costner movie thereabouts. That's true. Um, so not many options left. So that's on you, you, really. <laughs> and you've probably seen any Kevin Costner film of worth, let's say, so. I, yeah, I'd say most of them. Um, but yeah, like, so we did, <laughs> we did The Postman uh, for your birthday in 2017, I think. It was pretty early on. We did a special episode with Eileen um, where the three of us watched it. And then immediately recorded it. But it was like a Sunday, a Saturday or Sunday after your birthday party. So we were all a combination of hungover and I think possibly still hammered. I find it like almost a little emotional to go back and listen to those sort of like grip episodes now. Because it's like you can hear the room, you know, like the audio is not great. It's just the three of us like rambling on this week's movie. Uh, it was a special movie because it's Ricardo's birthday week and uh, after much deliberation he decided uh, to pick The Postman from 1997. Damn right I did. <laughs> Dire- what? It was directed by Kevin Gosling? Of course. What? <laughs> Sorry, uh, I did not know that. <laughs> he directed himself and this explains why the movie is three hours long. I, I recommend go back and go back and listen to that one. Um... Yeah, I love this movie. Uh, it's not massively surprising to go back and find out that this movie seemed to absolutely bomb. Not just that it uh, it got pretty mediocre reviews. Not like dreadful reviews. It does have like 37% on, on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a good 30% more than The Postman does. But uh, like the audience score is pretty high. A lot of people sort of like, you know, commended it for its portrayal of the Coast Guard itself. Um although one of the great quotes from empire was the same watchable but weary tripe about what it takes to become an american hero as unconvincingly applied to rescue swimmers um yeah it's uh it's so long and i forgot that this movie is really long and i feel like it was the kind of film that we would throw on at like three o'clock in the morning and then forget that it's over two hours long but um like just every time this film could have gone for subtlety it just says fuck it um it you know it had to throw with the supernatural element at the end which is like just so that they could have the stupid title i don't know so apparently according to the wikipedia which is quite a lengthy wikipedia uh entry for this movie um (laughs) <laughs> there was an alternative ending where he doesn't die but Ashton Kutcher is able to hold on to him and take him by the hand the whole way back to the base or whatever in the same way that Kevin Costner had done for the other you know sort of mirroring his previous heroic action um, and uh, which as like stupid an ending that is it's still better than Kevin Costner is like a magic you know ghost fish <laughs> Surely, um, uh, like it's, people compare this a lot to uh, Top Gun, but like it, it kind of is carbon copy Officer and a Gentleman, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But uh, I do think like people point this out at the time that this movie is a great advocate for the Coast Guard, which is good because the Coast Guard deserve a lot of praise. Um, cause, like especially considering like they kind of shoehorned into this movie but um the coast guard were one of the f- the few 
governmental entities that was actually successful in helping people after Katrina, but um, which they sort of mentioned. But um, uh, <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, like not, not enough people, probably because it was 2006 and not that long after the uh, Iraq war invasion and all that stuff, and people were still sort of like <laughs> shockingly pro-military. Um, but really really point out that this is, the Coast Guard is probably one of the only parts of like the U.S. Army or the U.S. military, whatever the blanket term is, that you can make a celebratory movie about it and it not leave a bad taste in your mouth because it's not just like blatant military bullshit. Um, obviously, yes, there's still, you know, this, these are the real helicopters they use and all that. But a lot, most of the people in the background of this movie are actual rescue swimmers and they are actual, you know, airmen or whatever. Um, so watching this, I, it struck me that it's actually like particularly after the fucking year we had of you know relying far too heavily on like you know essential workers and um like doctors and everything that like it is something that should be honored and i just wish that this movie was a little bit better for them but at the same time uh <laughs> it, it scott wrote in his review it was scott's review in the new york times is actually quite positive uh, but he says, it's not a great movie, but it's certainly one of the finest Coast Guard pictures you're likely to see anytime soon. <laughs> Which is true. I, I Until the I... Chris Pye movie came out. Miriam's scared of the water. I don't know how she's going to date a guy in the Coast Guard. You know, we all get scared out there. I'm not afraid of the water, Bernie. It scares me at night, that's all. You can't see what's underneath. Just more water. I'm assuming that obviously because it's 2016 that the special effects are probably better in the finest hours. They're not very good here, but they're, you know, like, I don't think they're dreadful. I saw a lot of people really trashing the special effects. And I have to say, the opening scene of this film uh, where the crash happens um, is very traumatic. Like, I forgot that that he stuck out there with his friend in the boat for, like, five, like, several hours while the guy slowly dies. And, like, it's it's quite traumatic. And and you also missed a bit, uh, like, he actually probably swam to collect all the other dead bodies because they cut them to them attached they're, they're to the like, boat. Yeah, he, he takes them home. It's like, ugh, he's just he's just such a hero. Uh, and also, oh. that is not the opening scene, which is like the the beauty of this movie that oh, it yes. gets two action scenes before <laughs> yes. the credits. You're right. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. We have to get the you have to get the introduction to like what the Coast Guard is, and then we have to have the like establishment of um, <laughs> Kevin Costner losing all of that steer. Um, it's like this movie is so flawed, obviously, and it's so silly at times. Like, Jesus, there are some clunker lines in this movie. I have to go rescue myself. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, Kevin Costner is great. He's very likable. You completely buy him as this dude. Um, Ashton Kutcher is quite good. Like, I liked all the supporting characters, even the, like, um, the guy, like, the chief dude that sends, um, I got my terminology right chief dude uh who sends kevin costner to you know back to school uh, <laughs> uh clancy brown who love that dude uh, who usually plays a big either policeman army man <laughs> prison guy he's so well, evil in shawshank redemption like, and so good at this 
watched like uh, Sal Ward. Sometimes people just get typecasted, and uh, hers seems to be like the abandoned wife who will end up back with her husband at the end of the movie, uh, like in The Day After Tomorrow, where she also plays a nurse, I'm pretty sure, or a doctor, I think. She's a doctor in that, isn't she? Uh, and she's a doctor in this, because we briefly see her in like, in like scrubs or whatever, I think. Uh, and a painter as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is. Message in a bottle? Someone, a painter in Message in a bottle? Or am I combining? I, oh, no, I'm combining Nicholas Sparks movies. Forgive me. Sorry, Nikki. Um, <laughs> Nikki. Uh, <laughs> Nikki Sparks. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, the female characters are not very well. They're not dealt a great hand in this movie, despite the fact that, you know, they're putting in good performances. Um, I have to say, though, like the uh, what's her name? He owns the bar, like quite like her as a character, quite like Mags or something. Their little relationship and stuff, Um, like the whole world of the bar feels very real. I feel like the bits that are probably leading most into reality of that, like, you know, that bar definitely exists somewhere where, you know, this is where the Coast Guard guys go and drink and they have this like, you know, they've been coming for years and like the kind of the tragedy of some of them that don't come home and that sort of stuff. But yeah, uh, I really, I love this movie and uh, I had a lot of fun watching it again. Um, also, just as a, as a closing thing, um, the director had a kind of a weird uh, career. He didn't make a whole lot of movies, but uh, he did make a film called Holes in 2003, um, just before making this. I don't know if you see it. It's a kind of a like underrated sort of YA kids movie with Shia LaBeouf in it. Uh, it's actually really good. It's based on... I can't remember who wrote the book, but uh, he directed that as well. I remember seeing it when I was probably around that age, and I really liked it. Um, but uh, yeah, without further ado, Ricardo, did you enjoy rewatching The Guardian? Well, first of all, uh, you said that Andrew Davis hasn't directed a lot. is an insult to the over of Andrew Davis, who did I'm sorry, uh, Collateral Damage with Stallone. <laughs> In 2002, but most importantly, he did uh, uh, The Fugitive and Under Siege, which is also known as Die Hard on a Bow. Uh, <laughs> I'm seeing a pattern. And uh, Above the Law, I think he did as well, which is another oh. amazing Steven Seagal movie. Mm. Uh, and Chain Reaction, which is that um, wonderfully silly. Keanu Reeves movie, the movie that Keanu Reeves is a nuclear just scientist. Just how you could describe most Keanu Reeves movies. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, this is a ride down the wheelhouse of Andrew Davis, which is like big, stupid Hollywood movies with a heart. Plus, kind of plus thing. holes in 2003. <laughs> yes, and and uh, holes, uh, also known <laughs> as plot holes. Uh, but, uh, uh, with Shia LaBeouf. Um, Shia LaBeouf. What I like about this movie is that it seems to have been written by an algorithm that has been fed <laughs> screenwriting books. Uh, there's no kind of originality or anything. It's just absolutely not falling step by step by step. Exactly like what you expect is going to happen in the next next scene. The next Hell line yes. of dialogue, you're right. And in a way, it kind of works because it becomes super relaxing in a way because even yeah. at the first time of watching it, there was <laughs> no... Like, you know, like you're just expecting it to be... 
you know, as soon as the, the girl appears in the bar, I'm just like, oh, can't wait for this character to be underdeveloped. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a per like all I thought while watching like the scenes where he's over in her house and she's clearly like, you know, doing lesson planning, like pay teachers more if this per woman is like doing like lesson planning while having her like booty call with her honey. And also it's the bit that is that kind of uh, filmed that every single moment that is not plot driven. They're trying to put like really like specific character beats that is like to somehow make it more in depth, like Kevin Costner having a favorite chair, you know, and then yeah, it's like every single scene that is of any note is like, okay, uh, what is the hobby? Oh, I like to paint. The light is so beautiful there or whatever. It's like, get a grip. But it, in general, I think that the the perfect enca- encapsulation of this movie is the scene just after uh, Costner releases Ashton Kutcher's hands and he falls into the ocean. The scene is like up to the moment fairly well done and well paced and stuff. And then it becomes hilarious as Ashton Kutcher starts screaming Kevin Costner's name, but it's not his name, it's his rank. He starts yeah. screaming, Senior! Senior Look, he just says Senior, which sounds like Senior. So it's like a Mexican has fallen into the water. <laughs> and I think it's like at that stage, wouldn't you just like <laughs> scream like Randall or whatever, you know, Ben Randall also? Clearly a name taken out of, like, somebody posted, put, like, a ton of post-its, like, popular first names, popular surnames, yes. and somebody just grabbed two notes and it's like, oh, there we go. There's, the, you know, at times this film feels like an SNL parody of itself. And I say this to yes. the, you know, like... And I recently rewatched uh, Remember the Titans with <laughs> Denzel Washington. And I realized that like... Is that football? Yes. Uh, yeah. Football, uh, how football stopped racism in Virginia. Oh, that's what I heard. Yes. Uh, it was done. Like even in the end of the movie, they say we defeated racism because we remember the Titans every time that we hate each other. And it's like, yes, this is clearly written by a white man. But um, but both movies have the same. Um, and I noticed that it is a, a trope of early 2000s cinema, which is like fairly strange. That is uh, the uh, it, it's bookended by like narration of some sort to explain what the movie that you just Hell, watched was. Yes. And Very the narration at the end, also. oh man, the narration at the end is some of the hokiest writing I've ever heard. <laughs> but somehow it works. But I think the encapsulation of the female characters in this movie, I think it's so bad that it's good. Um, because the ending, the ending is that that the bit where he goes to her classroom and she's like, okay, like. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'll go to Kodiak, Alaska and give up on my dreams. But also is the bit that killed me is the fact that whenever they go to the restaurant, they clearly say that there's only one woman in the program left. But then when they graduate, there's a different woman 
getting gradu- being graduated and the blonde girl is not being not getting gra- graduated it's like we can change female characters and nobody why will even, notice because Ashton Kutcher didn't fuck like, either but like it's what I love about this is the there's the weird disconnect between the characters that they introduce at the start like Delay Hill and the blondie woman and like you know the young guy he just has to you know proved himself that he can do it or whatever and then they just get totally dropped so is there's like this whole montage of them training and then the like kind of crap guy overcoming his fears and then suddenly they're all just graduating there's a kind of a gap between where they learn like when you're in the helicopter what you're supposed to do like whenever Ashton Kutcher's like going out the helicopter he like knows all the helicopter lingo and I'm like when did they learn that? <laughs> I wanted... It was like there was a montage messing with more Kasabian music. It's a strangely upbeat remake of Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> <laughs> like, he basically tortures them at the start and they're all like, hey, senior chief, I don't know. And he's like, this is what the real world is like. And they're like, oh, okay, actually, you know what? That's fine. Carry on. Bring them as close to the hypodermic state as you need to. Neil McDonough is playing the Neil McDonough character. Like, uh, you know, fucking your man Clancy. Clancy Brown is playing the Clancy <laughs> Brown character. Even Ashton Kutcher is at like that type of role early 2000s when they were trying to make Ashton Kutcher a thing. Um, <laughs> And then it's the strange thing also that is like back in the day that is like pre-peak TV that you have somebody like Dooley Hill that has like was Emmy nominated by this stage. But it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you just have to like dip your toes in the water of cinema. You can't go too far, you know, get like a barely speaking role in this movie, you know. So just such a waste it's like i wanted more at the academy not less <laughs> yeah like the the academy it's both the military propaganda movie a la top gun or like full metal jacket or so many other examples but also it's like half a sports movie somehow <laughs> like it's a because very it's strange swimming. mix yes <laughs> I think that the this movie also uh, reminds me of the Tom Cruise uh, film America Made because it's yes. very rare for a film to have as many montages as this. Terrible slow motion. What is going on? Well, like I, I do appreciate the amount of slow motion in scenes that you can tell that they're worried that you didn't get the fucking point. So it's mm. just like... Kevin Costner turning to look at somebody sadly and then they put it in like really s- fucking slow motion but clearly not shot in slow motion so it looks like no, it's garbage so it's juttery like that's those are the bits where the 2006-ness of it are very very strong um like because even they they think the the effects and stuff and when he's on the boat and all that that's felt that's shot relatively well but a lot of that the like it's, it's like it just turns into an army recruitment video in the muddle it's just it's like yeah training like, no. yeah shot like in a mini dv camera or something yeah. I guess. It's like, the quality dips 
like it goes off a cliff for about like a minute and a half and then it sort of comes back. Yeah, it's like in The Hobbit whenever the fucking GoPros come oh, out. Jesus Christ. This movie also like where you were saying about the special effects, I think that the like if you compare it to something that at the time was bigger budget, um the perfect storm. I think mm. the special effects have aged a little bit better purely because of the decision to shoot a lot like top down. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to fill like the horizon as much with the yes. with the CGI. So it's just like maybe uh, enhanced rain effects or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's like pointing down on the fucking water tank with fake waves. So like it gets away with a lot more. I think the like the special effects that are like wide shots are not extremely well done but for 2006 it would have been like top of the range kind of thing i do have a a a soft spot for this movie as well because of uh i used to watch deadliest catch on discovery (laughs) channel uh, about crab fishermen (laughs) in the bering sea and just the like coldness of it all and the Mm. alaska of it all and the loneliness of it all i don't know like uh, it reminded me of like being 16 and just watching garbage on discovery channel you know yes i i, I love that it is no mark farland usa no well like all things are and i also have to take credit for your love of kevin costner because it is uh i grew up watching kevin costner movies you could argue that kevin costner has been more of a father than my own father has been to me and i think the... that is very sad but also kind of beautiful yes it's um I, like i used to have like you know the hits you know like silverado Dances with Wolves, Field of Dreams, uh, all his sports movies, including the terrible fucking uh, baseball movie that we watched, uh, Sam Raimi somehow fucking directed, uh, For the Love of the Game. Uh, Like, yes, and the weirdly, weirdly lauded fucking Bull Durham, which... (laughs) This movie, like The Guardian in particular, it has... um, it's weird because it seems very 2006, but also ni- very 1950s. That is like um, back in the day, whenever like it wasn't a, a screenwriter came up with an idea for a script, and then they pitch it to a producer, and then the movie's made. This reeks of a producer going, "Let's make a movie about the Coast Guard," or even more like a Coast Guard person approaching. A producer and going, yes. we'll give you money. Do I have the story for you. <laughs> not, not even like a story. Just going like, we want you to make a movie about the Coast Guard. And then like the writer goes off to Kodiak to do like <laughs> interviewing. And then he finds out from like 300 people, 300 really interesting stories. And then decides that every one of those stories are about one guy. You know, like, <laughs> that is, you know what I mean? It's like... You know, like the fighting CBs with John Wayne, that it's like every, you know, that the characters end up on every single like moment of importance of the CBs during World War Two. Somehow that character is there because it's like he's Forrest Gump. Yes, exactly. The, <laughs> but at least like Forrest Gump, I don't know. Like it's uh, 
at least Forrest Gump what? <laughs> um, uh, Go on. Uh, no, like, uh, I don't think, uh, as a uh, drill would say, <laughs> would say, I can't give it to them. But also, like, this movie has the problem that Forrest Gump has that is like, let's kill the black best friend. And his character is just there to be the black best friend that dies in the first 10 minutes or like, whatever. He, oh god the scene when they're walking along and he's like you know, oh she'll come back you know everything always works out and then like it's like she she didn't come back necessarily but she definitely got handed a big solid block of hope at the very end where she's she's like your pager's going off and he's like i'm not a coast guard swimmer anymore and she's like <gasps> and then 30 seconds later he is dead <laughs> And we have that awful scene where she gets to go in and hug your man. That's like the thing she always thought was going to happen. Happened anyways, but it wasn't at all worth it. And like this poor woman will just grieve and be alone forever. It's like... I love the amount of scenes that is about people saying what Ben Randall doesn't like. You know, there's like... Even like in the graduation, he skips the graduation. Ben Randall doesn't like graduations. It's like (laughs) Ben Randall doesn't like funerals. Well... He can't get out of this one. Uh, well, that's why he stayed on as a ghost, so that he could like. <laughs> he would never. No. Be, <laughs> no. Randall doesn't like crossing over. Um, but like, <laughs> I just I love how it's like presented as well as that like this sort of like rugged level of masculinity that's like required to do this work. You know, you have to be married to the sea. You don't like fluff. You don't like these silly like emotions it's <laughs> and it's this so stupid as well that they they make her a doctor as well so if there's any profession that you understand yeah that sometimes you're paid especially like in a small town in alaska like kodiak i think the population is like fifteen thousand. so maybe you have like 100 doctors or something mm. like all together so you could get a call in the middle of the night and it's like, oh, there was a bus you, crash or something. You have to come yeah. in because we don't have the people, you know, like you could be it's the kind of town that you could be a pediatrician. And then it's like there's an accident and you're working in the ER department because you're technically trained for that kind of thing. So yeah. it is quite hilarious also the how much of this is about fucking using pagers when it's like 2006 it's like did they write this in 1992 and then the fucking doctors would still be using pagers like at that time possibly still use pagers pagers are like super reliable i suppose so yeah like yeah but at the same time it's like fucking 2006 wouldn't they ring the like at least ring first (laughs) <laughs> you know like you're in the middle of but fucking... it's not as like it doesn't it's not as cool without the light like beep beep <laughs> any further thoughts <laughs> well like uh uh the choice of locations are great like if i can kevin costner's house uh i never seen a saddest sadder looking place ever you know like <laughs> yeah. yeah i i don't know maybe like why like i kept looking at the houses and going like oh that doesn't seem well insulated and stuff like that like just worried about people like their energy bills it's like this is what aging is i've just become my father (laughs) yeah this is a bit drafty here is it where's the draft coming from i better get a blanket just in case yeah like uh, this film like uh, is it is like a warm blanket yes 
uh, on Friday when I watched it, I was like, ah, oh, as soon as I press play and it's like, this is incredibly stupid and exactly yes. what I need. Yes. You know, we have a tendency in this podcast to pick worthy movies. <laughs> and there is a certain argument to watch worthless movies from time to time. <laughs> worthless because it gets to hang on to the fact that it's about the coast guard i like the coast guard but every opportunity it has that like you're like you know for example the, the best example of that is the first scene you have the husband trying to drown the wife and for oh, the whole God, movie yeah. you're like i understood this metaphor and i know that this <laughs> metaphor is about kevin costner and you're one and then as soon as like they start talking, and he's like, "This happened in the beginning of the movie," <laughs> and I realized that. But it's been that so was long me. since the beginning of the movie. We have to bring it up again. <laughs> oh yeah, the amount of flashbacks for a movie of two and a half hours that it has. <laughs> like this movie flashbacks to shit that happened like thirty minutes ago, and you're like, <laughs> "Yes, I know, bro." Like you don't need to flashback to the crashed. Whenever a flare goes off and you have a picture like of Kevin Costner kind of like, <gasps> I know that he's having a fucking flashback to the crash scene. You don't need to fucking cut to exactly the same shot 10 times. And then some like random shot, aerial it's, night it's vision the, shot the of flare. a bottom flyer. Like the flare, like the other flare and the flares. In a way, I'm sad that these movies disappeared whenever it's like... Some studio had some dollars. fucking eighty million dollars, like in behind the sofa, and is like, "We better use this kind of thing." Um, obviously, like nowadays, there it's like either the, if you have an eighty million dollar movie, it's either uh, because it's directed by like Quentin Tarantino or Christopher Nolan or whoever, and it's fucking three hours long and bloated. And coming back to The Guardian is that this movie, there's no sleepwalking performances. If anything, it is very strange that the movie does not comment at all to the fact that Kevin Costner should have been arrested for first degree bodily assault with attempt of harm. Yeah. He just yeah, walks into a bar and assaults a man. And it, yeah, like the boy could have been killed. Walks out and uh, everyone's like a bit disgruntled. But uh, nothing further. But, you know, he, he proved himself as a... They don't even have a shot of, like, them, like, bringing... Like, getting your man back up and giving him, like, a pool cue to keep playing pool. Now, like, he's still on the floor somewhere, like, forgotten about, you know? Like, they probably just threw him in the ocean afterwards, you know, like, punished <laughs> a week or something. <laughs> no, he's still sitting in, like, a, a, <laughs> a sewing pool full of ice cubes. Uh, what was your uh, your favorite thing? Well, like, well, my favorite thing of this movie has to be Kevin Costner because <laughs> I don't think that this movie without Kevin Costner would work. Really? You don't think Bruce Willis in there? Oh no, like, uh, uh, just scoop his scoop his body into one of those. Talking wet about Bruce Willis, fucking Ashton Kutcher's backstory and the 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 pictures in the newspapers just brought me flashbacks of Unbreakable. That it is like exactly the same backstory as Bruce Willis in Unbreakable, you know, like sports star in a car crash I'm or whatever. Damaged. According to, uh, I was trying to get as much information about this silly movie as possible, and uh, apparently one of the uh, 
the goofs is that if you like stop swimming and stop being a swimming star in your sophomore year, uh, no Ivy League college is going to want to recruit you. Also, Ivy League colleges do not give sports scholarships. So, plot hole. And then Ding. also you have the fact that Kevin Costner is just telling your man about car crashes and the drink driving and then proceeds to drive him to a bar. Hmm. Well, like, it's a bonding about, moment. Well, That's it, how men bond. It's the thing about uh, America, I suppose, the amount of times watching movies that there's like people just drive to a bar and then you never see how they get home. <laughs> but like, I think Kevin Costner, is, like, in a way, this is the moment where he transitioned from being, um, supposedly he had to, that he uh, transitioned from being just charismatic to being uh, some sort of a character actor uh, mm. actually developing character uh, because every other movie before that to be uh, oh he's playing Kevin Costner in this movie Kevin Costner in the Navy Kevin Costner <laughs> in baseball Kevin Costner in golf Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner the in the sea and then every time that he tries to do something different and actually needed to act like in the postman or in uh, Waterworld, it is very, very miserable. Mm. Uh, you know, like, especially because he'd be trying to do like anti hero characters because he didn't know how to like be in the middle, you know, like, because this movie is nearly like a hagiography of Ben Randall, mm. you know, like that like he <laughs> stands in for like everybody that has died uh, in the Coast Guard. But like I think his performance just threads the the needle of being like cheesy enough but believable enough to be like is the movie yes. around him that is like fake or whatever. Like he's the like the straight guy kind of thing, you know? Uh the second thing that I uh love about this movie, I suppose, is how they make you believe that like about fucking sinks every minute in the Bering Sea. It's like, yes. it, like the, they do mention that there's like about 32,000 people that work for the Coast Guard that there's only 280 swimmers mm. in the Coast Guard. And I'm like, okay, that that's fine. But like if so many boats are fucking sinking of the Bering Sea, you should have a few more fucking than two lads that like one guy doesn't make it then you don't have a fucking crew for the next helicopter to like the the commander of the base and like a 56 year old man <laughs> yeah. 56 year old man who covers at the sight of flares because you didn't make him get guys like and i did quite laugh about the the moment whenever like he ashton kutcher frees the captain of the ship and your man proceeds to immediately die by smashing his head into like a, a wall or something <laughs> and then they just leave him behind because it's the like the movie teaching you the moment that it is more important to save the ones you can yeah and leave the other behinds but then whenever they're like coming back up they start quipping like like marvel style quipping is like oh so old time or you came back or whatever and i'm like a man just died <laughs> I'm glad that they, like, other lesser movies would have had uh, Kevin Costner's wife cheating with somebody or finding a new boyfriend or something. And uh, I'm glad they Instead, they just gave her no backstory, <laughs> except painting. 
And yeah, but like at least it's like a storyline that actually makes sense rather than like the completely shoehorn <laughs> romance between <laughs> Ashton Kutcher and God. Teacher. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Teacher. What's her name? Uh, what's funny is that he stands her up and then they don't see her again or he doesn't see her again. And then she goes to his graduation and then at the end he turns up, I'm assuming months later and then she's cool with it it's like why make a big deal of it of this character being like you know i don't want anything serious etc etc you know watch yourself richard gear and then like at the very end just like throw it all away for romantically satisfying yeah but kevin costner yes this is the, the the best thing in this movie i think and then everything is secondary for one, I wouldn't have watched it if it wasn't with Kevin Costner, so... Agreed. Uh, what about you? Oh, it's Kevin. It is. Uh, and uh, despite the fact that this is another movie that Kevin Costner's attached to, where uh, <laughs> the actual like message behind it is you know, in there somewhere, but ends up getting lost in it being a trashy movie, much like The Postman. Uh, <laughs> but then again, he had a lot more... Uh, a lot more of the blame can be attributed to him and the postman because he also directed it. So <laughs> at least here, he's just being like steered in the right direction. Um, yeah, like I kind of agree that he he stopped relying completely on his charm, uh, which he definitely still has. Like he is a very handsome man and uh, he's very watchable. I do love his sort of career as being the sort of like side character dad, like where he turns up in Molly's game. Uh just, just to, just to Kevin Costner in a park, basically. <laughs> Such a bad movie. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I do love him. And uh, as I was thinking about this movie, I kind of wish that I'd also watched McFarland USA and just done like a whole big sort of late stage career run of it. But uh, I might do that tonight. But um, yeah, I, I love him, and I thank you for bringing him into my life because I said to my dad, I was like. It's like, oh, we're going to do my birthday pick and uh, we're going to do The Guardian. And he's like, oh, what's this Kevin Costner thing about? <laughs> I was like, uh, don't know. <laughs> kind of like how when we'd watch, like, try and watch Band of Brothers all 10 episodes in one day. And for some reason, we would drink speech snaps while we did it. Ricardo is the answer. <laughs> so, uh, what was your least favorite thing? Well, like, I suppose the. It's a strange kind of movie because it has a million flaws, but somehow every flaw is a feature more than anything. <laughs> that if it wasn't like as flawed, it'd be more boring, you know, because yes. otherwise it'd just be mediocre rather than mad. You know, like I said, that it, like, it really feels like it was written by a sentient screenplay book. You know, like that somebody was like, oh, page 10, this has to happen. Page 12, this has to happen. Like literally feels like somebody just put a million post-its on a, on a board and just like one by one created a plot I by see. just like randomly assembling them in order. And then because they were afraid that people would notice how ram randomly assembled the movie is, that they have to keep like, referencing referring to things that have happened in the movie so you go like oh there was a plan oh, all along yeah. oh yeah <laughs> uh yeah i'm glad i'm glad i picked it uh my least favorite thing is uh 
what is my least favorite thing? Um, probably the the ending with the teacher because it's just so egregious. It looks like uh, s- the Smash Mouth music video or something, you know, like. <laughs> It's just, it's so, oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. I love how um, Kate, how Ashton Kutcher like leans into the light that you can tell that they didn't light the scene properly and then somebody's like waving at him so he kind of stops and then like he's leaning with his chin to be in the light. I think when you're Ashton Kutcher, you can lean with your chin though. I think that's acceptable. Uh, yeah, so uh, that was The Guardian. It's excellent. Seek it out. I believe it's on Disney. Jesus, that was uh, a short uh, least favorite thing. Don't have anything else to say about it? No, it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> More people should watch it. I kind of want to watch The Finest Hours now, and, uh, which is an hour and 57 minutes long. Which is about half an hour less than this. <laughs> so uh, if they want to go back and uh, find our old episodes, including 2017's episode 44 if i'm not mistaken uh the postman where can they find us ricardo they can find us on twitter at the rec game they can find us on spotify they can find us on itunes or your your podcaster of choice you can find us on twitter at the rec game facebook the recommendation game and our email is the recommendation game at gmail.com and we are on every second monday on dublin digital radio 11 to 12 hell yes so wait, next week's film is uh, slightly different than The Guardian. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Ricardo's pick. Ricardo, what are you picking? Uh, I'm uh, picking Yashu- Yasujiro Ozu's Floating Weeds from 1959. Beautiful. Excellent. Well, until then, I was Orla McGuinness. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week or the week after or whatever. Bye. Bye.